14. Here's the pitch by Downing. Swinging. There's a drive into left center field. That ball is going to be out of here. It's gone. It's 7-15. There's a new home run champion of all time. And it's Henry Aaron. From the Tanglewood Studios on the Above the Line Network, this is Go Six Sports Radio. Welcome to the show. My name is Scott Wasslegger, and this is Go Six Sports Radio. Got a good show for you this week. We're going to talk about Major League Baseball and their possible return. We'll talk about the Tiger Woods, Peyton Manning victory over Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady in the golf match over the weekend. And we'll also have a special guest, one of my players, where I coach, Chote Rosemary Hall, Jonah Feldman, and I think you'll be very interested to hear about his four-year career and how it unfolded and how it ended and that kind of thing. Um, One of the best guys that I've ever coached, so really glad that he could spend some time with us today. We'll start it off by talking about the golf match. I think the golf match was a fantastic idea. I think it was really uh, insightful to and and smart to have two quarterbacks, high-profile Hall of Fame quarterbacks involved. And Tiger and Phil by themselves would have drawn a lot of interest, but this added more to it. And I think where the only thing they missed is that they, for me, I didn't watch it. Three o'clock in the afternoon, even though we're quarantined, I was still outdoors doing things. So I don't know how many people actually watched it. I'm sure it was viewed very highly because we are dying for live sports. And it was an excellent idea at an excellent time. So I think they would have been better served to put it on. It would have been phenomenal if it was on at night. It would have been great if it could have been on 7 or 8 o'clock somehow, some way, under lights, somewhere, a lighted golf course someplace, or or just later in the day, Eastern time, for me, would have been much better. But not surprised at the outcome. Tiger, I wouldn't have been surprised at any outcome, to be quite honest with you, but you know, Tiger is Tiger, and I think there was a lot of fun. I read a lot about it and saw a lot of clips. It looked like there was a lot of friendly uh, trash talking back and forth, which made it seem a lot very fun. And the one thing that we we found out a few things, and and one thing that we found out is Tom Brady and Peyton Manning are not the type of athletes where they're great at golf. <laughs> they're 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 not very good at golf. You know, someone like John Smoltz, who is a Hall of Fame pitcher and is well known as a below scratch golfer, that would have been pretty cool to have Smoltz and somebody else who was really good, you know, as good as Smoltz teaming up. But uh, it probably lended itself with Brady and Manning to a little bit of fun, a lot of missed shots and missed fairways and things like that. But I think it was really great for people to see live sports again and glad they did it. And it'd be cool if they could do more of that. Um, just really good. And golf is, let's face it. I mean, out of all the sports we're talking about coming back and how are we going to do it, this, that, and the other golf is the most conducive, isn't it? I mean, you have built in social distancing. You're playing with your own ball. Um, I can't think of a better sport than golf for this kind of thing. 
you know, to, to be able to navigate the social distancing and the coronavirus and all that good stuff. Um, so I thought the golf was really great and, uh, subsequently was reading about a sort of a diet or fasting thing that Phil Mickelson does. And he looks like he's in a little bit better shape. He was getting out of shape there for a while, but he does a six day fast with a special coffee that he drinks. And it's basically just coffee and water. And the coffee has various ingredients in it, um, to help with health in general, to take the edge off the jitters for caffeine. Cinnamon is one of the ingredients there to help inflammation amongst a couple of others, but a six day fast, um, and supposedly fasting, intermittent fasting. And I do, I do some intermittent, intermittent fasting. Uh, Supposedly it's, it's good for you. It helps your immune system. It helps your energy. It of course helps with weight, helps your blood pressure, helps your sugar levels. Um, so I try to do it on occasion. I do maybe 16 hours at a time at most. Um, he's talking about six days of this and I think I might be able to do it, but it's pretty challenging. The problem is when you come back, you can't just you can't just go on a binge eating. When you come back, you gotta come back slowly. You gotta eat fruits and vegetables, and you gotta try to maintain as well as you can. But uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. You can find that information on just Google it, and you can find about his find out about his six day fast. But uh, when we come back, we'll have a good interview with one of my players, Jonah Feldman. Hey, welcome back to Go Six Sports Radio. Uh, I'm lucky today to have one of my players on. His name's Jonah Feldman. He's been a player for us at Choate Rosemary Hall for the last four years, and unfortunately this year lost his senior season. But he's got a unique story, and quite honestly, we were texting each other this morning, and he's been one of my favorite players that I've ever coached, and I've coached you know, 20-plus years. And there are a lot of different reasons for that that we'll get into, but um, just wanted to thank him for coming on the show. Jonah, good to have you, man. Coach, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Hey, uh, so you're a guy who, um, you know, people don't realize this, but in high school sports, prep schools and everything, most people don't play sports in college. You know, most people don't. Most people have a really good experience, maybe would like to, and then, uh, you know, some, it, it takes, the path goes a different way. Um, so I thought with you, um, it would be interesting because you had a, a, a challenging career and developed throughout your career. And I thought it'd be interesting to ask a few questions regarding that. And, um, so here we go. Let's get right into it. Perfect. What, when you were a freshman, you were lucky enough to be included on the varsity roster. You also played JV. What were some of at your, at that time, what were some of your motivations and strategies? Tell me about when you first got to Choate and you found yourself with an opportunity to be around the varsity and JV. What, what was going through your head and what were some of your strategies and motivation then? Yeah. So, um, I split my time between JV and, um, varsity at Choate. And for me, it was, I wanted to be the best I could be on JV and um, to also learn from a lot of the guys on varsity at the time. I mean, 
Jake McKenzie, who I think you had on the podcast um, a few weeks ago, was a captain then and um, really took me under my wing. So I learned a lot from him about how to be a leader and just a great teammate. So, um, you know, it was interesting splitting my time between it was three days a week JV, three days a week varsity. So, um, you know, I can't thank the varsity guys enough for really including me and making me feel, um, you know, really special, even though I was only there half the time, but they made me feel um, like a big part of the team all the time, which was great. Yeah. So, and, and that is, that's a good feeling when you're able to be included in varsity uh, on the roster and uh, as a young, as a young guy, as a freshman, or even a sophomore. So that was, that was pretty cool, but there had to be some challenges then. And one of them had to be bouncing between the two teams. Tell me about any struggles that you probably had during that time. And at this time, just for context for everybody, at this time, I was an assistant. So I was a new assistant when you were a freshman. And, you know, I was just observing this whole thing. But tell us about some challenges you might have had um, in that situation. They call, for people who don't know, they call that being a swing player. So you're going between JV and varsity, but it has to present some challenges, right? Yeah. So for me, I I think I had maybe one or two at bats on varsity the whole year, um, which was frustrating for me because, um, you know, obviously I didn't expect to play and all the guys were um, a lot better than me and I had so much to work on. But um, just being, you know, a competitive guy, I always want to be in there as much as I can. So it was definitely frustrating and it was tough because, you know, I could only show um, Coach Bowen um, or Coach Doug um, how much. Um, you know, work I'm putting in three days a week, you know, he only saw me half the time and the other half I was playing JV. So um, I think playing time was the most frustrating, but I also learned a great amount that year. And, you know, I obviously didn't expect to play too much as a freshman, but, um, you know, being the ball player I am, I obviously wanted to. So um, that was probably the biggest challenge um, and just navigating, you know, um, two different sets of teammates, I guess. Um, You know, I had to uh, I was I was very close with 30, 40 different guys um, at the same time. So, um, but it was fun and it was a great challenge. And um, you know, I'm very thankful that I was able to um, be one of the stars on JV and learn a lot from um, the older guys on varsity. Yeah, and I think you handled that really well. From what I could see that year, your your attitude was always on a great, uh, uh, even keeled plane. And, uh, you brought, uh, a lot of energy and enthusiasm and, uh, good example, even at that young age to our varsity program. So then the next year comes head coach leaves. I come in as the new coach. Um, you knew me somewhat. Uh, how did you, how did you approach a transition to a new coach? Even though I wasn't completely from the outside, I was within the program, but how do you, how do you, how did you, how did you navigate that? So, um, I remember a lot freshman year, you and I, you know, when I was sitting varsity, um, I, I feel like I was always next to you and we'd be talking, all right, what do we do here? What do we do now? So I feel like I got to know, um, your baseball sense and, um, your coaching strategies a lot, which helped. Um, and then sophomore year, you know, obviously the coaching transition, but to me, it wasn't, it wasn't too, too big of a deal because I felt like I knew you very well. Um, and I knew a lot of the guys already, which, um, 
made a big difference. I mean, I think it would have been a much bigger deal if someone from outside of the program um, came in. But so I didn't really feel like there was any major conflict or a big problem. I mean, um, you know, I think you were a perfect transition for us and our program. Yeah, and I, I I agree with you. I think that it helps when you're you you know the coach a little bit already. You know a little bit of the style, and you were always a guy who was talking baseball on the bench all the time throughout the whole four years. Um, and uh, you know, I think that that helps in that transition. A little more difficult if you're dealing with somebody who comes com- completely from the outside and is completely evaluating everybody from day one. But um, I, I agree with you. I think you're right about that. So junior year comes. And you're hoping to get some more playing time. I think we kept you with us versus mm-hmm. splitting time between varsity and JV and didn't play as much as you probably would like. But here's here's an interesting thing for people who are listening to this. You approached me probably maybe two or three times throughout the year. And you would always preface it by saying, hey, coach, I'm not complaining. I'm happy with the team. But how do I get in the lineup? And I think that's really important because a lot of players, a lot of families don't approach it that way. They approach it as I'm not playing. This guy's not giving me a fair chance. I'm better than this guy. I'm not better than that guy. You would approach it in a way that you would say, coach, I know we have our players. I know we have our nine guys in there. I know we have these guys pitching. How do I get better? How do I get in there. Uh, tell me what I can work on. And two or three different times throughout the season, you came to me and each time it was a little bit of a different conversation because there was maybe a different dynamic of players that were playing certain positions, this and that. But tell me, tell me how you came to approach it that way. Was that something you talked over with your parents and they said, hey, why don't you approach it this way or, or another player? Or did you just sort of develop that kind of approach yourself and thought that that was the best way to handle it? Tell me how you determined how to um, approach so the I coach about that. A lot of it just is like I know, you know, from my point of view, like I know what I'm capable of. So I've always thought that I just need that opportunity. And once I get that chance. Um, to play, I'm hopefully going to make the most of it, which I've done in the past. Um, so I think, you know, I talked it over with my parents a little bit, and I obviously wanted to play more than I did. Um, but I mean, we were winning at the same time. So to me, that was, you know, that was most important. Um, and I mean, if we're all if we're all winning and having a good time, um, you know, that's what makes the year special. So, um, you know, I wasn't too, too upset. But obviously, I wanted to contribute a little bit more than I did. And I think it was um, it was Trinity Pauling where I finally got the opportunity um, to get a start, and I think you know I made the most of my opportunity there, um, and I got and I earned a few more starts down the road for the rest of the year, which was really exciting. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of it, you know, it was talking to my mom and dad and just explaining, you know, I think I could be playing a little bit more. I obviously, know we have our nine guys, our core guys, but you know, I want an opportunity. Um, to show coach what I have for my senior year. That never happened, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, so I think um, talking it over with my parents and just um, playing it over in my head. And, you know, I wanted to obviously – I wanted you to know that I was never upset or anything like that. I just wanted the opportunity and the chance to um, show what I can do. Yeah, and I think I told you at the time, but I'll tell you again, the way you conveyed that 
was super impressive. And when a player comes to you like that, um, you're, you want as badly as they do to get them in a lineup. And, you know, it's those kind of situations that, um, are, uh, valuable, I think to a coach because you appreciate the player and it's kind of all good as far as you're not like, Oh boy, this guy just came to me. Um, this is a pain in my, uh, but how do I get him in line? But it, it, you don't feel that way when the, you know, and so people, like I said, who are listening to this, that kind of approach motivates you more as a coach to say, okay, how can I get this person in a lineup? How can I get him in the lineup? How can, you know, and sometimes it doesn't work right away. It didn't work with you right away. We mm-hmm. didn't get you in right away, you know? Right. Um, but eventually you got in, eventually you helped the team and you went from, and here's, you know, we, you and I had a conversation, I think junior year, maybe going into senior year of, you were a very, maybe the most popular guy in the team from the time you were a freshman. And that says a lot from, with regard to the kinds of players and the kind of leadership that we had when you were a freshman, you were a very popular player. Um, you didn't ask for any of that. You were just a really kind, great teammate and, um, a great player for coaches to coach and, and be around. So you had a tremendous amount of energy around you and were very popular. And I think you and I had a conversation at some point, like we wanted to switch that to, yes, everybody loved you. Yes, when you got in the game, everybody was cheering extra loudly for you because they felt great. But we wanted you to go from sort of a novelty type of, you know, hey, here's Jonah, our guy who doesn't play that much. He's getting into a guy who's now a leader and is legit contributing. And I remember we had a conversation about that and how we wanted to transition to that a little bit more. And I think you did a phenomenal job from that day forward of going to that place. Um do you remember us talking about that? And what did you think? What did you think when we had that conversation and how did you do it? Yeah, I remember that conversation clearly. Um, and I think, you know, what I remember the most is just um, thinking, man, how, how am I going to change this? But, um, you know, I think I just, I grew up a little bit and guys started to respect me more, not that they didn't before, but, you know, they realized that, you know, I want to play baseball just as much as they do. I'm here for the right reasons and I'm not just, um, you know, this guy coming off the bench, I want to be, um, more than them, more, more than that to them. So, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely remember that conversation. It helped me a lot. Um, I think without that conversation, I wouldn't have been, you know, one of your captains this season, um, because it really changed my mindset from being this guy who wanted to be loved, but, um, to this guy who wanted to be respected by his teammates, um, and loved at the same time. So, yeah, actually very well said, very well said. So, this year comes we and and the way we do it is we select captains at the end of the previous season. So you've been a captain a long time since last. Uh, you've been a captain really for a year now because mm-hmm. we selected them probably a year ago today or a couple of days ago, and it says a lot because in our program captainship means a lot. I was a captain as a player, and uh, I have a lot of feeling, a lot of strong feeling with regard to who our captains are. And, um, I'm very, it's, it's something that is very important to me to have the right leadership. And we voted as a team, but what we do a little bit differently than some teams is we had our outgoing seniors vote as well. 
last year. And so that said a lot. Um, I'm sure, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I can hear it in your voice as an honor from that point on, you really have been a really great leader with the off season stuff, with the communication, one of our greatest communicators that we've had in the program, always get back and email and text and things like that. It had to be crushing when the season got canceled. It was crushing for all of us, but particularly someone like yourself, who's a senior and this year you were going to be our second baseman. You were going to be our captain. Um, you were going to be plugged in there and you were going to just play and play and play, um, for as long as you could until you played yourself out of the lineup. And that could have been 30 at bats, 40 at bats, but you were going to be our second baseman. And I know you knew that, uh, how crushing was this, but now that you, I'm sure by now you've gotten over it, how, but how crushing was it? And and how, what are your feelings now, like weeks later? Yeah, so definitely very, very crushing. I know I was looking forward to this season, you know, since the end of last year when I was named captain. Um, you know, it felt like this was this was my time. This was, um, you know, the class of 2020's time to, um, you know, show what we got um, and try to win a championship. So um, I know, you know, the other captains and I, we were super close. We talked every day, just how excited we were for baseball. and. Um, you know, we we wanted nothing more than to win a championship. Championship, um, and we were super excited about playoffs and um, you know senior day and all this stuff. We had so much to look forward to um, this season. But so so it was definitely crushing. But I mean, I guess if I'm gonna take the positives out of this, I mean, I get to spend uh, more time with my family um, before I go off to college. Um, I work out now five to six times a week, which is something I've never been able to do. Um, during hockey and baseball season right back to back um so I mean it's de- it was definitely very crushing and I'm over it now I obviously I um I missed the Florida trip um that was probably always one of the highlights of the season um but yeah I mean I can't dwell on it anymore and I'm over it now um I'm hoping there's going to be some sort of summer baseball I just want one last season before I go off to college um because unfortunately Colgate doesn't have a baseball team I can try out for, but I'll, I'll play club baseball, but it snows a little bit too much up there. So. Yeah, true. Going to Colgate. And, uh, by the way, shout out to our other captains, by the way, we have three other captains, Mike, Jimmy, and Christian, great captains. Um, and so, uh, and that's in our, in our program, we talk about perspective and we talk about those types of things where, like you said, you're crushed, very disappointed, but you sort of, sort of shift gears and look at the glass half full and, and look at some opportunities that you get to work out more and, um, you know, have an even probably you have a, you have a great family, but an even maybe stronger connection with your family or a different type of connection with your family. Cause everybody's together as long as you're not getting too sick of each other. Um, yeah. Like everybody, but, um, yeah, try that. so, so going to Colgate, uh, in right. the fall, hopefully. And if not, you know, maybe you're doing online and we'll eventually be there at some point on, on campus at some point, what are you looking most forward to for this next chapter of your life? Um, I mean, I'm looking forward to, this is going to be the first time, uh, I'm living away from home, taking care of myself, um, so I'm looking forward, I guess, to just a new opportunity um, and growing up. Um, and I mean, 
Um, I know I'll always have a great family and home to come back to, but I mean, this is a really exciting time in my life. And, you know, I think after this quarantine, I'm definitely going to be ready to go. Um, so I, I'm, I'm very hopeful that we'll have it, um, that we'll start on time in the fall. But um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to a new opportunity, um, chance to meet new people, um, new friends, um, and hopefully play a little club baseball. So. Yeah, that's an interesting point that you make is that a lot of um, people going off to college who might be a little bit apprehensive, leaving home, et cetera, will probably be maybe a little bit more anxious now because of being cooped up for so long. And not that everybody doesn't, you know, want to be with their families or value that time with their families, but not even just the family, but just being cooped up in one place for a long time in one area for a long time, wherever we live, Connecticut or, or whatever. And then, you know, being more motivated and anxious to go off to college where maybe you would have been more of a, more, a little bit more, uh, apprehensive or worried about being homesick and that kind of thing. And, and, and like you said, home is always home. So you, you know, you're always going to, home is always going to be there. Your family's always going to be there. And that's how I've always kind of advised people who are going off to college who are a little worried or worried that they're going to be homesick or their life is changing quite a bit. Home is always home and home isn't necessarily where your house sits, but home is your mom and your dad and your, your family. So, um, That's really great. Speaking of those things like so far in, in athletics and, and, uh, academics and, and your high school prep school life so far, who would you see, say has been, have been some of your biggest influences? Um, I mean, I definitely think, uh, my mom and my dad without a doubt, um, would be my biggest two influences. Um, they've done so much for me, um, to provide the opportunity for me to go to a great school like Choate. Um, and then to now be able to go to Colgate, I'm very thankful for that. Um, and just, you know, always supporting me, coming to my hockey games, away, um, baseball games, home and away. I mean, um, my parents, you know, they came to games at Deerfield. They came to home games. So it was just, um, you know, having that support system was just incredible. Um, and it's something that, you know, just made the experience so much better. So um, I definitely owe a lot to my to my two parents. Yeah, that's um... – that's really great to hear. And, um, I think that, you know, from a coaching standpoint for me, and you don't, you don't say this about every player. We have a lot of great players and a lot of great families, but you don't say this all the time, but between yourself and your family, uh, from a coaching standpoint, you know, I, I, I feel like, Hey, I, I was lucky to cross his path. I was lucky, privileged to cross he and his family's path. And this is, What's great, how you and your family, people like yourself and your family help coaches is that you now become the standard by which they judge things. So, you know, when they're evaluating a player or family or they're reflecting on players they've had or currently coach, you know, they, they measure them up to you guys and your family. So, and that has nothing to do with how much you played playing college baseball uh, any of those things it, you know, we as coaches want to enjoy our experience coaching and players like yourself and families like yourself that are part of our community, uh, make that experience worthwhile. So, Hey, 
it's it's great talking to you. I know we texted this morning and you're not going to be able to get rid of me too soon. You're going to uh, make sure you keep in touch. And if you don't, I'm going to track you down anyway. So uh, thanks a lot for being on the go six and um, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, Jonah. All right. Thank you so much for having me. All the best. You're you're welcome. Talk to you soon. Bye. So that's my man, Jonah. So glad to have him on. He and I were texting this morning thought it would be a good idea to have him on, and he did a really good job. I'm not surprised at all. He's one of those guys, as I mentioned in conversation with him, he was one of those players, one of those student athletes that just buys in, has loyalty to the program. You heard him say, um, even though he was concerned about playing at times when he was younger, he was more concerned about the experience of winning with his teammates. And that's an amazing thing for a young person, young guy to, to grasp and understand. And like I said, the couple of times that he came to me about playing time, he was, couldn't have been more eloquent the way he approached it. And I was really excited for him this year because honestly, our staff talked and because of his leadership, because of his ability and and we knew he could help us. He would be our, He was gonna. We were gonna plug him in. He was gonna be our second baseman uh, all year long, no matter what. I mean, he could have gone one for thirty, and he he would have still been in there. So, my heart breaks for him that we didn't have a season. But you can hear he's he's kind of uh, experienced the grief of it a little bit. Moving on, talking about perspective, how he gets to work out more, spend more time with his family, and look forward to what's next in his life. And I'm pretty sure he's gonna do great. In school, he's going to do very well at whatever he does. He's going to be a great dad. He's going to be a great husband to somebody. And uh, can't wait to stay in touch with him and see how he does in the future. We'll be right back. time for our segment major league baseball talk conversation and commentary about the league where they play for pay so talking about the season starting july 4th and i know we've been talking about this almost every week on this podcast but each week there's a little bit more information And yesterday we heard that the owners in Major League Baseball are presenting to the players in their union a little bit of a revised plan to get back at it. The biggest thing that they're not agreeing on is how players are going to get paid. I mean, players are, many of the players are going to get half of what they normally make 
and players who are making millions and millions. And we talked about Blake Snell last week, and I'm not going to get into it with that guy again this week, but he was completely out of line in, in his comments. But the they, they're, they're looking at playing an 82-game season starting July 4th. So they'll start, if they start this, they'll start spring training in uh, a week or two. And the word out there is that they, the players want to play. Of course, the owners want to play. The big thing is that the owners will be losing a lot of money because of no fans. And initially, they were saying that they wouldn't lose that much, that the money was really, the big money was in the TV contracts. And that's true. But many of these, many of these teams, they will lose a lot of money from ticket revenue, a lot of money from concession sales. And they need to, they need to make up for that money somehow. So the players are going to end up paying for that in one way or another. I mean, they're not playing a full season, so the players are not going to get full pay. I, I can't imagine they'll get, they'll get full pay at all. Uh, but hopefully they want to play enough that they're going to play. And, and again, I've said before, if they start July 4th, weekend oh that'll be that'll be fantastic i mean we'll all be so happy to see baseball back on the summer holiday july 4th america's birthday and america's game and, you know that's going to be great but um coming back is going to be challenging because of all the restrictions they're talking about a 10 three 10 team divisions and the key there is going to be how they are able to economize the travel where everybody doesn't travel too, too much. But, you know, some people on Twitter are talking about, well, you know, the, they, we have to have an, uh, an level playing field and teams have to have the same strength of schedule and all that stuff. Listen, let's just get back. Let's just get back. If some teams have a little bit easier schedule than others, uh, let's not worry about that. Let's get back to playing baseball we know there's going to be an asterisk next to this season. So if somebody, whatever team wins the World Series, it doesn't mean that they're not a good team or the best team this year. But there's going to be an asterisk now that the season is, is half gone, that we haven't played half of the season. Uh, again, they're looking at playing 82 games. So, of course, there's going to be an asterisk. So don't worry about it. You know, Major League Baseball, writers, whoever – on Twitter, don't worry about whether the schedules are going to be are going to be uh, equal strength or not. Please, let's just get back to playing baseball, and we're all going to be excited and happy. We regroup and we have a normal season next year, but this season will be really pretty exciting. You know, with a minimal amount of games, it'll put that more more emphasis on each game, and uh, it'll be every game will be really very important. I think you'll see pitchers who are stronger and can go longer because of the time off. You might see a little bit of, from a pitching standpoint, you might see a little bit of inconsistency with regard to command. Um, hitting standpoint, you may, it may take you know a while like it normally does for guys to get their timing down. So you're going to see some imperfections for sure. But, oh, my goodness, I can't wait to see baseball again. And hopefully these two um, parties – players and their union and the owners and baseball come to an agreement and we get going and then it's going to be 
you'll see Sports Center every night talking about uh, pregame, preseason previews on teams and how that's going to change based on the short season, et cetera. It'll be a lot of fun. So can't wait to see that. And uh, we'll keep following and keep informed as to what we're hearing about that. And coming up uh, in, in, in next week or two, we'll talk to a major league player also and see how they feel about all of this. That's your Major League Baseball talk. So welcome back to the show. Hey, remember, you can email us at go6podcast at yahoo.com. That's go, the numeral six, podcast at yahoo.com. You can follow us on Twitter at FrozenRope8. That's at FrozenRope8. And either of those things, you can comment, you can ask questions, you can give a shout out to your team or buddies on your team or whoever. Um, and we'd love to incorporate that into the show. Also, if you're listening on the Anchor podcast or the Apple podcast, you can tap the message button and leave an audible message. And we'll incorporate that right into the show. So again, that can be the form of a shout out to your teammates, a comment or a question. So the playlist song of the week is a song that we suggest every week that you add to your playlist. And I've said this before, but I'll mention it again. We can't play it on our podcast because of copyright restrictions, but we like to suggest a song every week that maybe you can go Google or download from wherever you get your music from. So this week's playlist song of the week is by a guy named Oliver Tree. He's a 26-year-old guy, and the song is called Cash Machine. And it's basically about how material things don't bring you happiness. Surprise, surprise. Uh, Not written particularly well, but it's a catchy song, and I feel like it's going to be a pretty popular song this summer. It's currently one of the songs on the playlist in MLB The Show, and it's scheduled. It's actually part of an album called Ugly is Beautiful that's scheduled to release on June 12, 2020. That album was going to release much earlier, but because of COVID, it got delayed. But this guy's pretty talented. I uh, just can't figure him out. The music video for the song is a little weird. But um, he was actually playing the piano at three and writing songs at the age of six. Um, so I think this song's going to take off. I think this song's going to bring him some more popularity than it probably already has. I'm probably a little late to the party on this song. But I think it's going to be a popular popular song this summer. It's called Cash Machine by Oliver Tree. Google it. Add it to your playlist. That's the playlist song of the week. So that'll do it for us this week. Thanks for listening wherever you are. Please tell somebody else about the podcast so we can continue to grow. Stay tuned because we'll continue to do our short special edition podcasts in between the weekly podcasts. So I'm going to keep at it. Try to get 1% better and can't wait to be with you next time.